This is Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, the Channelnomics podcast that connects you with channel chiefs, thought leaders, and executives about what it takes to get the next generation of tech to market. Here's your host, Larry Walsh, the CEO and Chief Analyst of Channelnomics. Hey everyone, welcome back to Changing Channels. As the lady said, I'm Larry Walsh. Um, one thing that I hear consistently from channel executives, whether they're channel chiefs or they're in senior leadership positions, is that they have this constant struggle of demonstrating value and getting people to understand what they bring to their organizations. Uh, I liken it to a channel chief as a general fighting a war in two fronts, is that they have to satisfy their management on one side, is constantly concerned about revenue generation and cost containment, and they have to satisfy their partners, which are always fighting for more benefit, more discount, and some edge that they can get while they're dealing with their customers. In between is where we find the channel. It always struggling to find and demonstrate its value to others or exert some level of influence. Now, you may recall around this time last year, we had our friend Frank Rausch at, from Checkpoint uh, on to talk about how to influence the executive team to get that executive buy-in. Well, today we are going to take a bit of a different take and go another level up is how do we gain the attention and the buy-in and the support of boards of directors? And increasingly, this is an important constituency for channels because boards are exerting their influence over management. So they're the ones who are helping to set agendas and even set the parameters by which companies are operating. And boards of directors are particularly important for early stage companies that are trying to find their footing as they're going through their germination period to get out into the market and grow into a stable organization they can actually have a fighting chance at survival. So getting the buy-in of boards, particularly when you're trying to sell them on something that is often as, nebul as nebulous as a channel is to them in terms of a value proposition as an asset to what they're building and as an asset to what they're investing in is critical. You translate that into more mature organizations, getting the board to recognize the value of the channel is the difference between living in obscurity and being mentioned on earnings calls. So we wanted to bring somebody here who actually thrives on influencing or getting that board level attention. Our friend, Michelle Hodges, who is the vice president of worldwide channels at GitLab. So Michelle, welcome to uh, changing channels. Hey, Larry, great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, hey, thanks for being on. So first, before we get in, let's talk a little bit about GitLab because this is a company that was built for the times that we are in. We are all working remote. We, all, we are still working remote, I should say. And it looks like we're going to be, be in a fluid workforce for the foreseeable future. You know, what is GitLab and its partners doing to facilitate that? Sure. So I'm not sure if everyone's aware. Um, GitLab is one of the world's largest all remote company and it was started remote. Uh, I joined GitLab pre-pandemic uh, and at that point I live in Portland, Oregon and I was commuting to the Bay Area um, most weeks and when I wasn't in the Bay Area I was somewhere else on the planet, right? Anywhere on the planet. When I look at my 2019 travel it actually makes me a little bit sad. Um, but, you know, I have a 13-year-old daughter, and I, I enjoy where I live. I spend a lot of time outdoors and wanted to just spend more time at home. You know, if I was going to make any move, you know, that would have to be a factor. But I had been looking for a role in Portland forever, and another, another story, another day. Uh, and when I started talking to GitLab, this concept of all remote, you know, first, first you say, what, you don't, you don't have an office? There's no office? Nothing? 
nope, no office, nothing. It is built for the remote class worker. Um, and so we use to our own tools, lots of other um, uh, async and remote tools to drive cl uh, collaboration and communication, uh, to foster transparency. However, one of the cool things about GitLab that might affect this podcast is we also have a policy of, hey, we know you're at home. Uh, so we welcome kids, dogs, whatever it is. And so I'm currently going under a, a kitchen remodel and a bathroom remodel. There's a bathroom just behind this wall here. Um, uh, so we might be interrupted from this remote way of living. I apologize in advance. Oh, you know, please, no apologies necessary. And I'm just going to stay fixated on your puppy behind you. Yeah, that is Josephine. She's a two-year-old Havanese poodle mix. So you've you've been around, and I don't want to say you've been around for a long time. I don't <laughs> want, but but you. This is not, uh, as they say, uh, as as we you know so frequently say in the cliche language that we speak. This is not your first rodeo at GitLab. You've been doing channel management and channel operations for quite a bit of time. Um, why don't we start with you know where do you find the obstacles of understanding, you know, you know, cause you do, you live in the life where you have to influence others and in understanding what you do and the value that you bring. Where do you, where did you encounter it before and how do you still perceive it today? Yeah. So I have been around, I stopped counting at 25 years. Um, um, and I've had roles all over the world, right? I've uh, lived here in the U S for the past 11 or 12 years, but previous to that, I was living in Europe and Asia for a long time. And up until Interestingly enough, I, I started working with the board more more closely in my role. The, the biggest challenge I had was that concept of channel friendliness, of, hey, we're a channel company or we're dependent on the channel to be able to get our products to market. Why aren't you supportive of the channel? Why don't you believe in the channel? Why, why are you always asking me about channel attacks? I could never get my head around it. Um, when I started working with boards, the concept of, of value um, and we'll talk about that a lot, uh, but the concept of, of, of what is the value that the channel brings to the business and that being the, the driving factor for how I run my part of the business, um, you know, was, was the biggest realization, but also not understanding that fully was the biggest challenge earlier in my career. Yeah. I, you know, I've heard channel leaders and look, other parts of the business too, other line of business managers speak frequently about the need of having a seat at the table. And typically what they're talking about is somewhere in the C-suite on the executive leadership team, having some level of decision-making or at least influence of so the voices being heard, that their agendas are being considered, that their decisions are being accepted. Um, but that doesn't always translate into success. And increasingly, as I noted, as we were coming into the podcast, boards are having a lot more say in this as well, considering that boards are extensions of the investors behind these companies, whether they're public or private. How important is it to, if for a person in your position to reach above even your C-suite to have that level of contact and communication with your boards? Uh, you know, I think it's critical. Um, many of us in a channel role, particularly some of the larger organizations, you're doing channels to run the channel. That's your job. You're running channels. Um, it's not until you ask your leadership team and you're deeply intimate with the, the answer that they provide and the pressures that they're under by the board, why they're doing channels. And every company at a different stage of growth is going to have a different reason for doing that. What is the value that it brings to business? Are you under pressure and facing a turnaround because your margins are too high? 
Um, is your customer acquisition cost too high? And so your earnings are out of whack. Um, are your renewal rates too high or too expensive? Whatever it is, right? Um, understanding those metrics at the management level, but then what does it mean to the board and what they're trying to get done um, or how they're trying to help the company be successful? Uh, so I find it as imperative to reach around um, rather than how do you reach around? Yeah. Do do board members do they do they understand why you're talking to them? Do they do they see this? Is, is you're just another person who's coming in trying to sell them on some idea or some some investment within the company, or do they see you as a critical actor, a part of the infrastructure to their road on their road to success? I tend to seek uh, a, a mentor type rela- relationship. Now, granted, you might only speak with them once or twice a year, um, <laughs> but I tend to uh, s- seek understanding of of the, the the operating executive or the board ex- executive or the advisor that's looking after the route to market or the go to market business, and seek understanding of the of which lever within the channel they're trying to use to accomplish which goal. Um, and really dig into that to understand the impact of the business um, rather than try to pitch what I'm doing. Uh, speak their language in terms of the metrics that they're seeking um, and be able to show demonstrable results um, so that they are better educated to be able to ask the right questions in the next uh, setting or instance. Yeah. So what is it, you you and I have talked about this and that you have said that you want to make a material, make, make a material difference in the eyes of the board so that you can show it's just, you said, not just speak their language, but also, you know, cater to what they're looking for. So what is it that they care about? What are, what are, you know, not only the things that they care about, what are their typical objectives and what is the language they speak and how is that different from the day-to-day language in the office or in your case, the virtual office? Sure. It it depends on the maturity of the company, right? So growth is super important to us now, but sustainable growth um, that, that supports our, our shareholders um, uh, and the health of the company. And so, really understanding the shape and size of what our newest customers look like, really understanding our customer success lifecycle and how our partners can impact that at the best cost of the business, right? So it's an efficient expense uh, that we're spending. Um, Driving productivities and efficiencies to fuel that growth. Um, So, you know, being able to have that cogent discussion of, hey, this is how productive a salesperson is. I'm trying to get the channel folks to be this productive um, and helping through those ratios as well. Um, it's very metric driven and aligning those metrics back to the overall goals of the organization. I've been in turnaround situations where um, it was 100% dependent on the channel. 20 years the business had been um, uh, delivered through the channel. Uh, discounts hadn't changed that much because the, the channel's been conditioned to those discounts. But the value that we were receiving, the money we were paying for the, the service the partner was delivering had eroded. We needed a different type of value mix. And so being able to build your metrics into that conversation to help them uh, better understand the impact of that turnaround. Do you, do you have to impress upon board members? I mean, I, I don't mean to paint with such a broad brush when I say this, but do they understand the distinction between the channel and a direct sales or the sales organization? And do they, see, do they assign them different values? 
So the board members that I seek out are normally the go-to-market executive and the ones that understand channel, right? So I can I can build that relationship and they can represent my business well to the rest of the board. Every once in a while you're in a you know in a board presentation, I probably present twice a year to the board um, in a good year. Um, and there will be, a, and I'm not saying here, but I, I have run into other board, board executives who just, they don't understand the channel. They don't come from a channel background or they were in a channel background and it was a very low value, but high, you know, high discount model. And so they've got a bad taste for the channel. Um, and again, for me, it always goes back to the, the metrics that are important to them. Um, uh, and then real life examples, right. Of to back up those metrics to make sure it's not all just fluff, uh, to help, you know, to, you know, I seek to serve and educate, um, rather than argue in those situations. <laughs> Well, that doesn't sound like any fun. Arguing is always fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you, you've, you've said this a couple of times, though, about the metrics. So what should be in your bag when you go to a meeting with a member of the board? What, do you, what, are, the, what are the table stakes that you have to have when you're approaching them in terms of numbers, in terms of case studies and examples? So again, you'll hear me say value a, a lot, right? So what are the value buckets that you're trying to measure? So a channel by and large, you know this, everyone knows this, by and large, you're paying a channel for a service received, right? It's either a service received or an efficiency or a productivity gain or whatnot. And so I build it around that case. And so if you tell me uh, as, a, as a board and the management team that you want a lower acquisition cost and you want to speed up your conversion rates, um, and you need um, your service margins around advisory are just way too high, right? Um, if you get down to that granular level, then you bring those metrics to support that component. But for me, always based in that value equation. Um, uh, I think, you know, as a first step, starting internal to your business, into your sales organization, getting crystal clarity around those metrics with your peers and your leadership and the sellers, so everyone's on the same page when you say, hey, this is a, uh, a partner source um, opportunity, or this is an efficiency, or this is a faster conversion rate. Like being super crystal on those makes it a lot easier for the more senior discussions, because if you've got anybody whispering, oh, yeah, well, that wasn't really partner source, small corner conversation, that's going to kill you when you get to the boardroom, because uh, there's no confidence. I've never heard of that happening. Like almost always, <laughs> you know, one of the things that we've, we started tracking is the number of mentions channels gets on earning calls. And it doesn't happen that often when things are going well, the company has a really good quarter. What happens is that everybody gets credit. The leadership gets credit, sales gets credit, product gets credited, uh, you know, general economic conditions can get credited. Rarely do we hear channels. Why is that when these calls are speaking to the investor class that you're talking about with influence and boards? I'm proud to say I was called out, or not I, but the channel was called out in our last earnings call. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, again, and maybe this is just too simplified, I, I think it has to do about being not super clear and crystal about what those metrics are. Right, and I'm going to get really tactical here around deal ridge and and to give an example. Uh, and this was not my idea; it was a previous boss really pushed me to make sure that deal ridge was an action. It wasn't about who found the lead, who worked more, who had more influence. 
it was about the conversion of the opportunity. Who turned that lead into an opportunity, and what are the actions that you do that you you did there? So it's that momentary action of value that we're we're incenting the partner around, and that that we're then metricing. And by being able to do that, we could get super clear with the sales field and sales leadership, and we all have confidence around that action, so that we can see over time how that incremental revenue is increasing because we all believe that in that action. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if if any of that stuff is fungible or soft or or people are whispering in the corner about nah that wasn't really channel. Um, it makes it hard for a CRO and a CEO to sit in front of their board and say, Hey, I spent this much money in the channel and I received this for it because it's, it's mushy. Yeah. What do you, it's interesting you say about the CEO or the CRO defending or being able to, to validate what you're saying. Um, but we also hear this from CROs that in some CEOs that, you know, they sometimes pay lip service to the channel. Uh, sometimes they don't believe in the channel uh, openly. Uh, so does you know having a relationship with the board help smooth or help build bridges with executive teams? I would say 100%, right? So if you have a board member um, who's a huge champion and sponsor of the channel and you speak the same language and, and they believe in what you're presenting um, uh, to them um, and it's meeting their needs uh, in terms of growth expectations or whatever their expectations are, um, uh, ab- absolutely. It's an important relationship. Yeah. So what, is, how, how do you start the approach on this? Do you actually, is, you know, cause to some who are listening in thus far might sound like you're jumping the chain of command. Uh, how do you coordinate a relationship or how do you develop a relationship with the board without alienating your own leadership or your own management? Um, I ask, so I, you know, I asked for an introduction. Um, uh, uh, I was actually fortunate enough in not in this role, not the last role, in the previous role, to be interviewed by the board. So um, I proposed in, you know, three roles ago. I proposed, hey, I would love to meet a board member. This is such a board move. Um, and uh, here it was just part of the process. But then I also asked to, to, you know, I'd love to be included in the board presentation. I pay attention to my slides in the board deck. Um, you know, I, 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 I advocate for our business. Um, but I also ask, um, uh, rather than circumvent. Yeah. And typically do you find it's, it's received well? Um, the, the more I understand what the board is looking for, the easier it has gotten. Right. So it has taken a couple rodeos, um, um, to, to know what my purpose is there. If there's just, Hey, I'm just going to, I want to present my stuff to the board. Your stuff is actually not going to be that interesting to the board uh, uh, unless you you're putting it in a framework that makes sense to them. And it normally needs to start with that introduction, to the board to ask them what is important to them. Why do they think channels um, important? If it's not important to them, where do they think it should be important? And then tailoring your content to those. So, Michelle, this is not something that you've just developed organically, this skill or these relationships with boards and being learning how to talk with them. This is something you've actually trained for. And you actually have gone through a process of acclimating to becoming more of not just being able to interact with boards, but to serve on boards. Can you talk a little bit about what that was and, and what that process was like? 
Sure, I'll go back to what piqued my interest. I was in a turnaround situation. This goes back like nine or 10 years ago. And they had advisors, board advisors that were running little special projects. And there was one around cost of renewals. Um, and everything had been gone to the channel. It wasn't very well managed. We didn't share information with them that much. And so I was in these, you know, once a week, long day workshops with board members. And it was just so fascinating to me, the perspective they looked at the company. It's completely different than how I was running my business. Um, and it just, the penny dropped for me. It was like, this is why I run the channel, like, or we run the channel. This is what we're doing um, uh, and what we're serving in terms of supporting our company. And so then I continued to seek out opportunities to work with the board because it just, it made my job more enjoyable. It made it more valuable. I could do more things for the company. I could be more successful. And as I'm, you know, I, I have been around as I'm getting lo longer in my career, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm the type of person that will ever fully retire. Um, and so I've just started to think about board work. I've had a couple girlfriends who have joined some boards and just really enjoying it. And so I shared this interest with my CEO in a, in a coaching session. And he said, let me go look around. Let me, uh, you know, I know how I chose my board, but let me go look around. I know women in boards is something pretty exciting. Let me ask some questions. And so our chief people officer is a, is a mentor for the Santa Clara university women's board preparation program. Uh, it's a six week long program, um, uh, done remotely now, uh, focused on preparing women for corporate board service. And it was fantastic. I would urge anybody who's interested in boards, um, you meet this amazing network of women who are seeking board positions, but also, you know, upwards of 20, 25 women who are in board positions and they share their experiences and knowledge. Um, and then it just kind of, now I've got the bug and, uh, I look forward to, to, you know, advising in a couple of roles this year, uh, and longer term, who knows, you might see me on a, a corporate board near you. You, you know, we, I can't wait to call you madam chairperson. This would be, you know, <laughs> It, it, Finally, right? Yeah, exactly. This is my deserved title. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so, here's the big question on this: is that because you've done this, you know, you've you've described this 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 process, you've designed, you've described the relationships, you've described the language and the metrics. All right, you've done all this now. How do you know the relationship is achieving a meaningful return to you and your organization? Um the earnings call was pretty validating. Um, I would <laughs> and, imagine also, so. and also, you know, how we showed up in our prospectus and, and so on, how we show up in the company's priorities, we continue to be important, your investment plan, um, how, how well that is supported. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel boring for me. It's all in the results. Um, and, uh, you know, the results keep, keep coming in. Yeah. So last question for you is that, you know, as you said, you've went through this, uh, this training process, you know, for, for women who are aspiring like yourself to join boards, participate in boards, you know, but think of, you know, across your general peer segment, because I hear this from other channel chiefs that they either are or looking to serve on boards. What's the bit of advice that you would give in terms of leveraging or building and leveraging relationships to help foster a better channel? organization, a better channel program, and ultimately better career paths? Yeah, for me, I started with this uh, sentiment, right? Focus on the value um, uh, that, that, that the channel brings and really put a, a strong metric around. There is, there is a, uh, an investment the company is making in the channel 
what are the specific returns that they're getting? Um, and don't stop at just deal reg, you know, efficiencies, productivity, um, uh, growth, you get, get really specific and broad across all of those things. But as it pertains not to the su- success of the channel is important, but not in how great my channel partners are doing and all these wonderful things is talk about the value that it's serving back to the business and the ultimate goals of the management team and, and the board. Um, that would be my advice. Very good. Well, Michelle, it was great having you on Changing Channels. I really appreciate your insights. My pleasure. It was a good any time I get to spend with you, Larry. It's always a good time. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle Hodges, the Vice President of Worldwide Channels at GitLab. And everyone, just remember, technology is changing the world, and we're tracking those changes here at Channelnomics. So please keep dropping into Changing Channels to hear the latest about what's going on. Until next time, I'm Larry Walsh. Thank you for joining Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, a production of Channelnomics, with the support of our production team at Modern Podcasting. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit the like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and share with your friends. For more information about Channelnomics services and insights, follow us on Twitter and YouTube, and check out our website at channelnomics.com. Channelnomics is a registered trademark of and Changing Channels is copyright by 2112 Enterprises, LLC.